Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offer to everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real-life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide strong, successful women to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again through major life transitions. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. I'm so excited today to introduce Rachel Gass to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Rachel Gass is the managing partner, culture consultant, and leadership coach of Be Kind Life. Her core values are people first, kindness counts, integrity always. Her signature group program, Finding Your Leadership Voice, is designed for managers at any level looking to develop their leadership skills to positively support others. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. And today, Rachel is going to share with us a bit about her self-care journey through anxiety and depression. So Rachel, can you go ahead and just start sharing a little bit about that with us? Yeah, for sure. So I have struggled with anxiety and depression for pretty much my whole life. By the time I was 14, it actually had a name, was given a name. And so I knew that this was what I was feeling and experiencing was okay. As a, as a teenager, that's a hard thing, right? You already feel so alienated. I was pretty fortunate that my mom was able to support me going to therapy. So, so having that vocabulary, and I think that's true for so many things, like having vocabulary really does enlighten us and shift the conversation and yeah, makes it absolutely. feel a little bit easier. But I've always been a pretty active person. Dance time, I was three years old and in high school, I started uh, getting more into the gym. So it was just a part of my life and my routine, but mostly around weight loss, you know, like how to how to make sure I was staying fit and being healthy and never really understood the impact that it was having on my anxiety, keeping that in check mm -hmm. until later in my life when I wasn't able to do it. I was a mom to a two-year-old at the time and severely injured my back, just a, a random fluke, but severely injured my back and was sidelined. I had been running half marathons for probably 10 years mm -hmm. before that. So really fit, healthy healthy, yeah. doing all the things. And then all of a sudden I wasn't able to do that. And the spiral that I took after that of being sidelined, the anxiety came up strong. The depression mm -hmm. was back pretty fierce because for me, that's how it manifests, right? I start in the anxiety space. And then mm -hmm. when I don't keep it in check or figure that out, then it turns sure. into depression. So it really wasn't until I couldn't do the working out and couldn't mm -hmm. run that I 
actually appreciated and noticed how much it, it affects me. So yeah. And realized how much it had been helping before that for so many years. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And how long was that time period that you were kind of sidelined with your back injury from not being able to be active in the ways that you had been before? Yeah, it was, it was a solid year and I would try and do things like just go right back into it, you know, when I'd feel okay. And then I'd start to run and then I'd be out for three weeks, you mm-hmm. know, just not being able to walk or do anything and in tears and all that stuff, just it compounds because I don't have the skills now to cope and be resilient um, because that's what I relied on. So when I would get injured again or be on my back, I was just crying all the time, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I would imagine have any other coping mechanism. I remember going into the doctor one time and I was in tears and they were like, this is not tear worthy. you know. And I was like, I don't think you're grasping how much this impacts and affects my, my life, my quality of, of life. Yeah. And you know, that's what everybody says, right? If you're not healthy, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Cause it does impact so much your quality of life. Yeah. And but, I'm sure it must've just been so disheartening to like, feel like the pain is improving. You're getting a little bit better. Okay. I'm going to try and go out for a run. Yeah. And then you just come back in excruciating pain again. And you have to take yeah. another few weeks off, you know? I I can imagine how tough that must feel. Yeah. And I think I succumbed to that mindset that I see now clearly with so many of my clients is the all or nothing, right? Like if I can't go back out there and run a 10 K or train for a half marathon, then it's not worth it. And that was a big learning and a big shift for me too, because it wasn't possible anymore. That just wasn't the reality. So what were other things that I could do to still yeah, feel good and still feel like I was supporting my, my mental health and walking like it's, it's okay uh, to yeah. get out and walk and the impact that fresh air has on your mindset. Great. Yeah, so, so during just, that time you were able to start at least going out for walk. Yeah, I was able to get out and walk. And again, it didn't have to be for hours appreciating that 15 minutes or a walking meeting or something like that could, could still support what I needed it to do. To me, it's most fascinating because again, I didn't realize how much it was supporting my mental health until I didn't have it. As I healed and just again, trying to keep with that mindset that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like I don't run half marathons anymore. That's Mm -hmm. not in the cart for me. I stick to 10 minutes a day. Like if I can get in 10 minutes Mm -hmm. a day of a, of a good sweat, it really seems to keep things at bay. And I notice if I go more than two days without having a real solid 10 minute workout, you know, again, doesn't have to be an hour, something that I feel like got my heart rate up, then I do, then the anxiety comes back and the rumination is intense. And it's really helped me find the time. Because you know that this is something that really helps. And then, you know, the consequences of, of not doing it and how that affects Yeah. A hundred percent. Like that's, that's actually, that's really it. And so when I can't find the motivation or like, I'm too tired today or whatever, I tell myself it's number one, it's 10 minutes. And number two, in three days time, it's not going to be pretty. And for me, the anxiety does come on that quickly. You know, I always say life's challenges are the greatest catalyst for our own self-empowerment and understanding ourselves better. Like I truly believe that life's challenges come to us so that we can learn and understand something about ourselves better. And it sounds like for you that year when you weren't able to be as active as you had been before, it gave you a greater understanding of how that affects anxiety and depression, mental health. It also helped 
expand your idea of what that movement can look like, that it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, going out and running a half marathon or a 10 K it can be going out for a walk. It can be 10 minutes on your Peloton. It can look a number of different ways. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, And I talk about Peloton a ton because that is what I ended up turning to. Not that we get paid to to plug them, but I, but I do plug them all the time (laughs) that they've really mastered like the behavior change on that. And like what you can get done in 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. how good you can feel in 15 minutes. And usually it doesn't end up that way, but I can always talk myself into getting on the bike for 10 minutes. Yeah. And for anyone listening, like I personally don't have a Peloton for anyone listening. If you don't have a Peloton, like that's okay. Like I said, I don't have one, but those days, but just keeping in mind that it can be five to 10 minutes is totally fine. Totally. You know, something that I often do is, is if I have days where I don't really feel like being active Mm -hmm. or going out for a walk, but if it's a day that I know this would be important to me, that this would help me feel better. Then what I'll tell myself is all you have to do is put your shoes on and walk one block. Totally. Yeah. That's it. Do I stick to just one block? No, usually I end up so much more, you know, because once I have my shoes on and I'm outside, it just starts to feel so good. But but trying to make it a little bit easier for yourself. And that is all just a mindset thing and perspective. Like you said, if you tell yourself, I just need to do 10 minutes a day, you're able to do it. And maybe some days it ends up being longer. Same thing with me. If I tell myself, all I need to do is put my shoes on and walk one block, I'm more likely to do it. So, you know, for anyone listening here, you know, you don't necessarily need to have anything, you know, fancy or, or or expensive or anything like that. It really is just shifting that perspective that you need to go out for a whole hour, or you need to go run that half marathon, shifting that perspective to five minutes. What can I do for five minutes? Sometimes for me, five minutes is putting on a song and dancing around in my living room. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to pick that up. Yeah. Nobody's watching. So it's all okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I also thought it was interesting what you shared. You didn't realize how big of an impact the movement was having until you weren't able to do it. And that just reminded me of myself when I first started meditating. When I first started my meditation practice and I was just learning how to meditate, I was doing about five minutes a day. I was, I was in a yoga teacher training program. We were instructed to do 15 minutes a day, but 15 minutes felt like way too long. So I was like, I'm just, if I can do five again, that thing, making it small, a smaller chunk. I was like, if I can just do five minutes a day. So I would do five minutes every morning, but there were some mornings where I would miss it. And when I noticed when I missed those days of my five minutes, only five minutes of meditation in the morning, I felt different in the day. That ended up being more the motivation for me to continue meditating because I noticed that the days that I didn't meditate, I felt a little off. It just sets the tone, right? It like sets intentionality of how you're walking through the world. Like whether it's meditating or yoga or me riding the bike, I'm creating something for me. Absolutely. And the effects, I think something else to remember is that the effects of this actually are cumulative. There's benefit in doing small amount of movement or self-care on a consistent basis than doing it all one day a month. Oh, that's good to know too. Yeah. I mean, even when you're talking about meditation, I think too, because I am 
not a good meditator. I'm not a good yoga. It's, I think it goes hand in hand with like all or nothing, right? If I'm not good at something or if I can't excel or do get to the next level at this thing, then why bother? And that certainly is something that I've shifted my mindset on. Like somebody told me, well, that's why it's called a meditation practice, the yoga practice. Cause, yeah. and I was like, oh, I love that because yeah. that, that is what it is. And it doesn't have to be perfection. And it's the process is the benefit, you know, because what does being good at it even, mean, right? The whole point of all of this is to feel your best. So what does being good at it mean, right? It's just, is it helping you feel your best? That's all that matters, right? You don't have to have like an Instagram picture perfect yoga pose. Good, because that's not me. (laughs) Right? To be good at it. Now, is it it helping you feel your best? So like reframing what that end goal even is, like you said, it's more that process of with me with the the meditation story that I shared, right? It's, it's how is this making me feel on the days that I'm doing it? And then on the days that I'm not doing it, how am I feeling different? Like I'm not feeling my best on those days, huh? So maybe I should keep up with this. And then it becomes one of those things. That's like a non-negotiable, right? Exactly. Every day I have to do this, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes, like I have to, because again, the omission of it is, yeah, I mean, I, I want to say harmful, but it sounds dramatic, but I, I do feel like for me it is. And then the meditation has really helped, especially when I'm in a space of like extreme rumination again, not to like continue to push Peloton, but like, because I don't feel confident in meditating myself to have Hmm. a guided meditation, to have somebody walk me through that, you know, the calm apps and all the other things out there people can, can rely on really do help me quiet the mind and just get really, really present about what's going on right now. And not, not be in the past, not be in the future. Yeah, that's great. I was going to ask you because I know you had, you had said, you know, you don't feel quote unquote good, (laughs) like you're a good meditator. So I was going to ask for people who are maybe just starting out meditation, you know, what you had recommended. So those guided apps, uh, guided meditations, I agree with you. I think for someone just starting out with meditation, or even if you've been practicing for a while, but find that it's difficult to tap into that stillness on your own those guided meditations can be very valuable and very helpful. Yeah, it's great. I've even found myself with a a group once a week, people that I randomly met, we do something on zoom. There's three of them that have gone through, you know, other meditation trainings and just have more experience in that space. And so they take turns and do the guided meditation. And every Tuesday at three o'clock, I log onto the zoom and it has just been such an amazing gift when I can't make it or something like I make it a priority because it does make me feel so good and sets me up for the weeks. But on the, when there's something that it just can't be, yeah, I I feel it. I feel the omission of it, you know? And I think that's what they talk about too, with behavior change. Like it hurts more to not do it than it does to do it, you know? Yeah. And even, you know, the, some of the modalities we were talking about earlier, we're talking about like every day, but really it's, it's the consistency. So like this meditation group that you're talking about, once a week, having Mm -hmm. even that consistency has that cumulative effect. You notice you're not able to make it and that sort of thing. So that's great. I feel like you've helped shed light on a lot of great points today in this episode of, of kind of 
something that I always say, those small changes that make a large impact, right? Even if it's 10 minutes of day of, you know, in, in this episode, we've been talking a lot about movement, but any sort of self-care practice for you, even if it's five or 10 minutes, making those small changes consistently can be really helpful. If meditation is one that our listeners are looking to start finding some of those guided meditation apps can be really a helpful way to get started. And another great point that I think you brought up was connecting with a like-minded group. So a lot of times getting these habits and self-care practices started and maintaining them can be really helpful when you're doing it in a community of like-minded people. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us today. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about what you are doing, your coaching, consulting, where can they find you? You can find me at BeKindLife.com or on LinkedIn or any of the any of the socials. Wonderful. Thank you Always again. love to talk. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Download it today.